Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 116 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Summer is here, our lime trees and blackberries are bursting with flowers and it's time to benefit from the hard work of the spring and early summer. In other news, I'm building a wall this week, so stay tuned for my latest updates. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm grateful to Honeypore Hives for sponsoring in part our podcast for this season. Honeypore Hives, as I'm sure you're aware, are Polly Langstroth Hives, and we're setting up an apiary full of their hives this season, courtesy of Honeypore. Check out their range of hives and other equipment on their website, and I'll leave links to all of the websites in the show notes as usual. Honeypore Hives, designed by beekeepers for beekeepers. Welcome back everyone. After a brief enforced absence, thank you to all of you for your very kind comments after our family bereavement. The circle of life goes on and we turn our attention back to the bees who just keep going really, totally oblivious to everything that we do to complicate our short time on this planet that we share with them. So it's been a mad busy couple of weeks. I won't bore you with the personal stuff as there's so much beekeeping to talk about. Here's a quick update of where we're at. Uh, The colonies that were on the oilseed rape pollination are now back at their respective permanent apiaries. It's a pretty big job for a small commercial outfit such as mine, but there were no disasters this year, which is uh, probably a first. Colonies have been trying to swarm, or indeed have swarmed, and replacement queens are back laying eggs. For some of them, it's all a little bit late, and because of that, they won't be producing any honey over the summer. Hive number six continues to be our strongest colony and is filling yet more supers with honey. It's going to be very interesting to see how they end up this year. The nukes I made up and introduced queens into are all doing just fine. Those are the honey-poor Polly Langstroth nukes. Uh, These are really intended for next spring, so I don't anticipate any miraculous honey crop, although I have moved a couple of them into full-size hives and added a feeder to help them draw out those brood frames of foundation. So we'll see how they get on. Back at the new unit, I've completed the spring extraction, more of a complete cutout of the oilseed rape honey, but I got it done And it's just so much easier cleaning up when you have a little more room to move about in. I think washing out the honey buckets is probably the only thing that feels like a job when I'm beekeeping. Everything else is such good fun, even the occasional sting I can put up with. But washing those honey buckets just feels like a chore. I don't know what it is, really. I'm having a stud wall built this week, as I mentioned right at the start. In fact, by the time uh, the podcast is out, it should hopefully nearly be finished, perhaps an extra day just to tidy things up. This is going to separate the honey room from the rest of the unit and give me a totally clean space for production of the honey and other products that contain honey. It's an exciting next step for me and fits another small piece into the beekeeping business puzzle. I'll post some pictures once the work has been done just to show how it progressed and those will be available uh, probably on the Patreon page. Elsewhere in my beekeeping world, I've received 
a pack from the team at Newcastle University to sample the colonies I have with CBPV, that's chronic bee paralysis virus. I have three cases I can pretty well confirm for myself. They're showing both type 1 and type 2 syndrome, and they're due for destruction later this weekend. I need to sample them prior to the destruction process, so I've actually been delaying it until the kits have arrived. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, though, isn't it? Delaying the destruction may have inadvertently spread the disease. I'm more and more convinced that it's the drones that are mainly responsible for spreading this virus, and with the swarm and mating season in full swing a few weeks ago, I feel the boat has probably already sailed, and I may have allowed further infections in some of my colonies. Of all the pests and diseases, this one has been the most worrying for me in recent times, something to keep a close eye on and act as soon as I notice any kind of problem, I think. My queen-rearing programme has been delayed yet again, but I'm hoping next week I'm going to get set up and produce some queens from hive number six. Incredibly, this particular colony has not attempted to swarm at all this season, something of a first for me. I always seem to be battling swarming colonies, but this year the queen clipping has worked really well and will be something I'll continue with moving forwards. The queen-rearing work can start immediately, really. I need a hopelessly queenless colony to build the cells, and I need to be able to graft from hive number six, so I'll either move the cell builder to the apiary that has hive six, or move hive six to the cell builder. It's probably easiest to move hive six, thinking about it, but you can also just take a frame or two of eggs and young larvae from one apiary to another for queen-rearing two. The best way to do this is in a nuke box with some attendant workers on the frames, but you could just as easily shake the bees off the frames and cover the frames with a damp tea towel. As long as you're not taking them on a long drive, they should be perfectly fine. Another option is to get the queen cells drawn out at one apiary and then move the queen cells into an incubator of some sort. Cage the sealed queen cells and wait until they emerge. Virgin queens can then be run into queenless nukes or the smaller mating nukes. I've got some more mating nukes lined up to try out, but I'm still not convinced I'm going to do terribly well with them. But I do think I should give them another go. The problem is, I just don't seem to manage them well enough, and I lose absconding bees, which is completely disappointing after all the hard work of the previous weeks creating those queens. As I've said before, I prefer using three-frame nukes, and for that, the BS honey boxes work really well. So if I start next week, we should have virgin queens sometime towards the end of July. Preparation is the key here. It's no good producing 30 or 40 virgin queens only to have a dozen boxes for them to go into. It does mean mating will also be in late July or even early August. And I'm sure that this will be fine. There should still be plenty of drones around and then we can wait to check the laying pattern is okay. Probably another two to three weeks. You can soon spot a drone-laying queen if she's been unsuccessful in mating. The brood pattern suddenly changes from nice even cells of worker brood to oddly angled cells as workers attempt to build cells large enough for the unfertilised eggs that will become the drones. Hopefully all will go well and that does mean any successfully raised and mated queens started now will be checked and ready perhaps at the end of August. 
that's just bonkers. I mean, the season will be all but gone, and I'll be looking forward to the start of the 2021 season. The good news about producing new queens is that they'll continue to lay eggs late into the autumn, where older queens may have already started to slow down. So we should see those queens build nicely sized nucleus colonies ready to overwinter. If you haven't yet started your queen rearing, or you're feeling a little nervous about starting, I would say just give it a go. Even if you only have a couple of hives, you can still produce a new queen or two from your best colony and add another skill to your beekeeping armoury. Of course, if you're going to produce lots of new queens, you eventually need somewhere to put them all. It might be that you want to produce queens for replacement of older queens in your established hives, or maybe you're looking to build up the number of colonies you have by making splits and using the queens you've raised to fill queenless nukes for overwintering. Or perhaps you're looking to sell some excess queens or nukes to help fund your beekeeping. One thing is for sure though, if you're looking to expand, you'll need more space for the extra colonies, and that means finding new apiary sites. I get asked fairly regularly how I find new apiary sites, and when I first got started it was mostly through being brave enough to stop and ask a landowner if they would allow me to set up an apiary on their land. I've only been rejected once before, and you just have to accept that not everyone's keen to have bees on their land. More recently, though, I find that I get approached most years to be asked if I would like to put bees in a particular location. Unfortunately, a lot of these requests end up being a desire to have one or two beehives at the bottom of a residential garden, and I have to explain I need to place around a dozen hives as a minimum to make it time efficient for me. I'm always able to pass on smaller sites to members of our local beekeeping association, so it's not a complete loss. The most recent request offers up a total of eight locations on a large farm. You just never know what might be on offer. I was actually over at the farm a couple of days ago with my petrol lawnmower. There's always a little preparation required to make a site fit for the move. In this instance, it was just very long grass and weeds that needed chopping down. My little strimmer wasn't quite man enough for the job, so with the mower set to its highest setting, I pushed and shoved it through the margins to create a more open area to set up the hive stands. Three locations initially. To be honest, it was all I could manage, and it took all morning to finish off. The results are great though, and from now on it will be easier to keep the grass short and make for safe inspections. I've lost count of the number of times I've nearly tripped over my own feet as they get caught in long grass or brambles. That's not going to happen here and should make it a far more pleasurable experience. I don't know how it happens each year, but I always seem to end up moving bees sometime in the middle of summer. Longest days, which inevitably mean late nights or very early mornings. I really should get into the routine of moving them in the quieter, colder months. It would be so much easier. The trailer has been put to good use though, ferrying kit around from workshop to new unit and to out-apiary sites, just as well given the work that went into renovating it. The biggest issue I have with my trailer is that the suspension is pretty much non-existent. When there isn't any weight sat in the back, it bounces around like it might take off. I suspect the rubber suspension units have perished and become solid blocks. Maybe it's another job to add to the list, get the suspension units changed out, and it might make a big difference on how it travels. It will also mean I could probably have bought a brand new trailer for the same cost as repairing this one, but at least it's been saved. 
just going back to the lawn mowing efforts of the weekend, I forgot to mention an amusing and painful situation I got myself into after I'd finished at the new apiary site. I decided I'd pop round to several of my existing apiaries and give them a trim while I was out with the lawnmower. We've recently moved bees back to all the sites, so I figured I ought to pop on my bee suit just in case the bees weren't too happy at the sight and sound of the lawnmower. Although, I have to say, at all of the apiaries that I've been to so far, the bees simply ignore me and carry on their business. I've heard stories of beekeepers being attacked when they get too close to their beehive with strimmers and lawnmowers, so I always figure on being a little cautious. I even put on my gloves. No point in wearing a bee suit only to be stung on the fingertips. Anyway, I started out at the university apiary. It was the closest on my way back home. All set, I fired up the lawnmower and did a couple of passes backwards and forwards. No real trouble. On the third strip, I suddenly became aware of a sudden pain in my ankle. I looked down and saw something like 30 or 40 bees attacking my boots. One of the colonies was obviously very upset with my need to keep a tidy lawn. I say lawn, it's more ragwort and those yellow spiky flowers. The name escapes me at the moment. Anyway, one of the little attackers had got itself under the ankle cuff and had stung me good and proper. Obviously, I fled the scene, quickly pushing the now quiet lawnmower as fast as I could. Then I felt a sudden pain on the back of my left knee and realised with some horror that bees were actually getting inside my bee suit via a dodgy zip. And to make matters worse, I was wearing shorts. How those beekeepers inspect their bees wearing just shorts and t-shirts, I'll never know. Suffice to say, I left the lawnmower, jumped into the truck and got rid of as many bees as I could before they progressed any higher. I'm glad to report there were no further stings. I rescued the lawnmower and made a fairly quick exit, heading to the fishing lakes apiaries where the bees were altogether calmer and ignored me completely. Sometimes you just have to concede defeat, lick your wounds and prepare for the next time. Well, that's it for this week. Oh, that spiky plant is called a verbascum. I knew the name would come back to me eventually. Well, that is it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast and do keep the comments coming. And do take a look at the extra content available on my Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.